Hey, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I am Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors as I am enjoying a journey of my own. I want to bring you along with me, whether it be on Tuesdays where we share Tinkering Tuesdays, gear reviews, mindset, etc., um, getting you ready for whether that be hunting season, camping season, backpacking, spending time with the family, or just getting your mindset right. That's what I'm here for. <clears throat> and then on Saturdays, of course, we've got the great conversations like we do today, where we have amazing guests on that have done some outstanding things, whether that be they're new to archery and the outdoors and sharing their journey up to this point, all the way to veterans of the outdoors, fitness, the military. We've got so many different guests. It's outstanding. And what I do is, as I learn from these guests, I get to record the podcast and share that with you, which I'm stoked about. So that's what you're coming here for. I appreciate the support, guys. Thank you so much. Today, we have an outstanding guest. His name is Chad Wright. If you haven't heard of Chad Wright, go look him up. He has an amazing story. He's been on multiple other podcasts and has shared his story. Um, I'm really stoked to be able to have spoken with him and fit into his busy schedule because as his uh, Instagram bio says, he's an entrepreneur at night and an ultra runner during the day, which is crazy in my opinion. I don't like running, so <laughs> he can run for me. But he does some outstanding stuff with his uh, 3 of 7 project, and he just wants to give back to the community and show love for his brothers and sisters. He is a faith-driven man. He loves his family, and he will do anything for the people that he wants to serve. So honestly, this guy is an outstanding individual that I want to share this conversation with you uh, and Chad Wright. So guys, tune in here. If you get something out of this podcast, I just ask that you leave a review uh, please leave a review. I'm asking that because it is free. Uh, it supports the show. It gets it out to new eyes. And uh, we definitely want to make sure that we get this out to other people as well. So check it out, guys. Uh, here's the conversation with Chad Wright and 3 of 7 Project and many of the other things that he's done in his life. Here we go. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. I've got an amazing guest for you guys today. Uh, he is one of those guys that didn't realize he was a ginger until he grew his beard out. Uh, but Chad Wright, and you guys may recognize Chad from all the running that he does. He's been on the Andy Frisella podcast, the Real AF podcast multiple times. He just has an amazing story. And on top of that, he's a Southerner. So you got to love it, right? Southern gentlemen. So I uh, got lots of stuff going on here. And uh, Chad is just an amazing individual. I wanted to have him on so we could chat about his three to seven project and many other things that he's got going on. But Chad, uh, for the listeners that may not know who you are, who are you? Yeah, Jonathan, thanks for having me on, man. What an awesome opportunity. And thanks for being patient and persistent with me. So I know this, this interview has been a long time coming. And who am I? Um, well, I'm as a young man, I grew up in Northwest Georgia and uh, decided to join the U.S. Navy. I spent 12 years in the SEAL teams, active duty, and um, got out of the Navy, started ultra running, and also I'm the co-founder of 3 of 7 Projects, so kind of ultra running side by side with uh, a very unique style of entrepreneurship at 3 of 7 Project, and that's kind of my bread and butter now. Um, 
my passion in life is uh, my personal passion is is running and, and pushing myself to you know the boundaries of my body, soul, and spirit. And running is kind of the medium that I use to do that. Um, and and uh, and then kind of my passion from a professional perspective is is teaching people. So uh, that's I, I, the latter part of my career as a SEAL. I was a SEAL instructor, and I learned how much I loved teaching people, um, developing different missions and training plans and, and, uh, putting it all together and executing it and watching people grow and learn. And, you know, that's kind of the core of what we do at three seven project project is train people. Uh, and that's just my passion, man. That's what fires me up. That's what gets me up and makes me want to go to work every day. No, that that's awesome. And I definitely want to dive into that and learn more about what the three of seven project is. I'm nowhere near an ultra marathon runner. I, that is, I mean, kudos to you. That's a lot of miles, uh, a lot of wear and tear on the body, but you definitely push yourself through. You've got some amazing stories too, that I want to hit on, but, um, I kind of jokingly was thinking that maybe you run so much because you want to enjoy all that good Southern food that you got down there. <laughs> It's the only time I give myself an excuse to eat a uh, Bojangles fried chicken or something, you know, is after, <laughs> after I've ran a couple hundred miles. Yep. There you go. And a little Bowberry biscuit on the side. Is that? <laughs> yeah. A lot of the listeners don't know what the crap that is, but if you ever uh-uh. come down South, you'll see it. Yeah. I took my family out there. So, uh, my family's all from Utah. And when we go out, out East, we always stop by a Bojangles or something. And I can't eat most of it because I'm gluten free now, but, uh, um, they go and try it and they've, they're like, I don't understand the hype. And I'm like, well, I didn't understand in and out and you guys love it. So, you know, <laughs> it's Dude, similar. Yeah, man. If you love eating at Bojangles, you're either fat and nasty or you just ran a hundred and something miles. Like that's the only way you're going to love it. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, I guess let, let's start kind of from the beginning. You have a really interesting story. Um, and, you know, I don't think we'll get as in depth as, and I'll, I'll reference the podcast down below where you went really into detail on how, uh, your experience with the seals was, but, um, I guess kind of give us an overview of getting into the Navy seals. I mean, you had an, a very, it's already difficult as it is, but your story getting into the seals was even more so difficult than just the normal which is already difficult. So kind of give us a, a, I guess, an overview of that, of your career with the SEALs. Yeah, totally. Um, so the, that's the interesting part about my story of joining the Navy. I guess what makes it different than most other guys is when I joined the Navy the first time to go to BUDS, which is the basic SEAL training uh, pipeline, um, I made it all the way through boot camp, got to the last day of Navy boot camp and was getting, once I graduated there, I was slotted to go to SEAL training and they, they disqualified me from being a SEAL or going to SEAL training period on the last day of boot camp. And turns out I had a seven centimeter pericardial cyst on my heart that was completely asymptomatic. So I'd had it all my life. Um, they ended up finding it when they did a dive physical which basically is an in-depth physical that every SEAL candidate has to go through to make sure the human body is in peak shape and it has no issues. And so when they found this cyst on my heart, even though it was asymptomatic, they had never seen it before. A pericardial cyst is a pretty rare condition. I was the first uh, SEAL candidate to ever be diagnosed with a pericardial cyst. 
So the doctors were essentially worried that um, if I dove underwater, the pressure change was going to burst the cyst and mm. send me into cardiac arrest, I assume. And I understand that's a legitimate concern that they had and they didn't know how to treat it. So um, really the only option they had was to disqualify me. And uh, the Navy wouldn't perform the sur a surgery to remove this thing, one, because it was risky and, and rare, but two, because it was an asymptomatic condition. I was an 18-year-old kid wanting to go do something where, you know, 90% of people quit and don't make it through anyways. And so, you know, they said, well, you can just go out and be part of the regular Navy um, or you can get out of the Navy on breach of contract. So I got decided to get out of the Navy, came back home to Georgia. Uh, I had my own paid for my own heart surgery as a civilian. It was an elective open heart surgery. Mm. Uh, the surgeon removed the cyst from my heart and I was back in the Navy less than a year after that surgery and actually saw the same doctor who disqualified me a year earlier. And uh, of course, he was extremely surprised that I was back. He didn't know what I was doing you know, back home, uh, seeking out a surgeon to do this. And um, they they signed me off, uh, gave me a waiver to proceed. I went to SEAL training. I made it all the way through. I think the interesting thing about that is I tell people all the time, and I don't know if they believe me, but I don't think I would have made it through SEAL training if I wouldn't have been told no, had to go through a heart surgery, uh, and, and all the stuff I went through and what all of that did was it just, it, it just made me really hungry for this thing that I thought I was hungry for it. I thought I wanted to do it, but I didn't really know as a young man, what it meant to really, truly want something in life until it was taken away from me. And, um, that was a hard time in my life. I mean, that, that period where I was back home, I was really depressed. It, it wasn't like I was all motivated to, to, to find a surgeon. It was hard, man. But I got it done, Went to got, finally got on the start line, made it all the way through SEAL training, uh, was never rolled, started with Buzz Class 278, graduated with Buzz Class 278. I was an OG and um, went on to serve at SEAL Team 8, uh, did a, did a couple deployments over there. I'm putting all this in a nutshell, by the way, there's a lot that happened. I, <laughs> I, I've really never told the whole story of, of the, you know, the time I in detail, the time I spent in the SEAL teams and, and, um, that's a, a three or four hour long conversation. I feel like I'm just now coming to a place in my own life where I've unraveled that part of my life enough to even be able to tell that story, which is the mm. reason I've withheld it for so long. I mean, I've been out of the Navy since 2019, but I've withheld, you know, the details of that part of my life for a long time because it's taken me three years to unravel that in my mind to even be able to talk about that. So a lot mm -hmm. happened in that span there uh, at teammate. And then, uh, in 2012, my I, I found out that my wife was addicted to opiates, and I came home from a deployment. She was on the verge of dying. Um, I mean, just kind of multiple overdoses and stuff. And I had 
I was getting ready to deploy again in 2012, and when I found out that her addiction, you know, was getting to a point that it was about to kill her, I had to kind of make a decision between my future career as a SEAL and my family, and I, I went and told my um, command master chief at SEAL Team 8, I said, my wife's about to have to go to rehab. You know, she's in really bad condition. Can I can I step out of the platoon and uh, take a position as an instructor for a few years while she gets back on her feet? And so I did that, and I really loved my time in the teams as an instructor. Again, that's where I found my passion to teach. Uh, the best leader I ever served under in the SEAL teams was as an instructor. Really odd. I, I had a bunch of... I had a bunch of poor examples of leadership while I was actually in the at the team deploying, and, and that's not a hit on those guys. I mean, people don't understand, man. See, seals are just humans, and many of them are just a bunch of many of them are broken humans because of what they've had to go through and what they've had to commit, you know, to that lifestyle. That that organization demands everything from you. It demands everything from you. It'll take everything from you if you'll give it. And and you you almost have to give it or or you won't survive. So uh did my stint as an instructor. Something interesting happened though when I stepped out of the platoon and went to be an instructor. Things kind of slowed down for me for the first time in 10 years because I wasn't deploying. I was kind of at home. I was working more of a uh, um, a schedule and things slowed down and I started to realize over the last 10 years some things had happened to my body and I didn't even realize or, or recognize those things until I slowed down enough for them to for, for me to actually be able to pay attention to them and so um, I noticed my balance was off uh, some some crazy things were happening with just my memory and stuff like this. And it's a complex uh, story, but I ended up going to the doctor to just be checked out. Cause it was really the first time in, in a decade that I had the, the downtime to go to a doctor and say, Hey, what's all this about? What this, this balance. And, you know, I can't mm -hmm. hear out of one's ear and all this stuff. And so they sent me down this rabbit hole and ended up diagnosing me with, uh, TBI, and that's mainly from blast overpressure. I was a breacher in the teams mm. and um, ran me through a lot of tests and basically came to the came to me and said, hey, look, um, if you get knocked around and if you get hit in the head or you take another, um, you know, blast and you're too close to it, we don't know what's going to happen because you've mm. already had this much exposure to it. And so uh, they medically retired me in January of 2019, which ended up being a blessing because we, we all know what happened in 2020. Mm -hmm. And as much as I appreciate our military members, it's like, holy smokes, the military has just went down the freaking drain, dude. And um, like, it was the perfect timing. It was God's timing. I tell people all the time, the best thing I ever did in life was join the military. The second best thing I ever did in life was get out of the military <laughs> because we've actually been able to serve people and help people in a, in a very unique time. 
2020-2021 especially uh, and, and pour into people who really needed it and make an impact in the world. And um, I think that was just God's purpose for my life, man. And that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I know there's a lot of details in there, but you know what's crazy just sitting here listening to it is, and I know you're a faith-driven man, every single step of the way there, you and you may not, you probably didn't even realize it at the time, but it seems as though God had a hand in guiding you, even with the heart cyst, you know, you're saying I probably wouldn't have made it through SEALs, SEALs training if I hadn't gone through that surgery. And that, that first initial, uh, you know, open heart surgery is no joke. Like people talk about it's, it, it's funny to me. People talk about childbirth, like it's no joke or like, like it's, like it's easy, right? You know, oh yeah, they should survive everything. Same thing with open heart surgery. People like, oh yeah, I had open heart surgery. I'm like, yeah, well they literally crack ribs and break you apart to get to your heart. And then they're, (laughs) they're touching and messing around with this organ. That's so vital to your survival after surviving that recovering from that, you still had that buy-in to want to go back to seals, which, you know, buy-in is so important. It creates that loyalty. It creates, uh, you know, whether it's a monetary buy-in or in your case, you know, the physical buy-in, the suffering that you had to go through to still hit that goal that you wanted. Um, not many people would do that. So that's awesome. And then on top of that, unfortunately, your wife had that, uh, that situation going on, the choices that were made and, and addictions that happened. And, um, but at the same time, if you hadn't stepped back at that moment and you had deployed one more time, who knows if you'd still be here? Yeah. And you know? man, yeah, totally, man. And, and could just be here and be a, just some kind of vegetable, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, I, I agree with you hundred percent, Jonathan. I think there's two, I'm glad you highlighted that because there's two major takeaways for the listeners. I think one is people hear me make the statement all the time that whatever you're going through right now is forging you into the person who you are ultimately created to be. And it doesn't matter what the thing is. It doesn't matter if it's sickness, if it's loss, if it's grief, if it's uh, some sort of injury. Like so many times we look at the thing and we say, there's no way that this is adding any anything to my life or there's no way that there's anything good is ever going to come from this but the story of my life has been everything that has happened uh has forged me into who i am today and people ask me all the time well what would you change about your story would you change the fact that your wife was an addict Would you change the fact that you had surgery? Would you change any of those things you screwed up while you were in the SEAL team? Um, And the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. I wouldn't wouldn't change any of those things. Uh, And I think the second takeaway is I've never had a plan B in my whole life. Like I, 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 once I hone in on something, whether it's SEAL training, whether it's ultra running, whether it's three of seven project. I don't have a plan B. I mean, I just straight up burn the, burn the bridges, man. And I go for it. And so there's no other option for me. Never have been, whatever mission I'm on, there's even my marriage, for instance. I mean, when my wife was in active addiction, it's awful. I mean, there's people listening I know who have either struggled with addiction or have a loved one who's struggling with addiction right now that they love and care about. And it's it's freaking hard, dude. 
um, on all fronts. But there's never been a plan B for me, man. You just I just made it with my marriage, for instance. It's like, well, these drugs are going to kill my wife and I'll be a single man or we're going to walk through the mud together, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No. And that and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother battle, you know, and, and a whole nother war on, on that front that you were having to deal with. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, you guys went through through that experience, um, happily recovered. And you guys have, you know, found ways to, to cope and deal with that because it never, I guess, never truly goes away, but it's a battle that you kind of have to fight for the rest of your life. And you recognize what trigger points, et cetera, you're going through and then just either avoid them or have ways that you've built up to, you know, to, to beat them, to defeat them at that, at that moment. So, um, that's amazing. You know, and the fact that you chose family at that time as well speaks to your values, um, you know, 10 years. And, and you, you mentioned it took, it's taken you all this time to be able to unravel, um, what happened in the teams and, and we won't go down exactly that experience right now, but I grew up in a family that's military. I didn't choose that route, but every, I grew up by Fort Bragg. Um, and so my, you know, my grandpa served in Vietnam and Korea as a medic in the 82nd airborne. And, uh, and so he, he is just now near the end of his life, unfortunately, um, but he is starting to unravel and tell stories that he's never told before. And it's been decades and he doesn't want to talk about it. And I, and I, I can understand it from an outsider's perspective that it takes time and it takes struggle and it takes, it takes you breaking it down. You actively have to go through and unravel strand by strand, this ball of yarn that has built up through the time in your, in your service. And now you've, you've taken that experience and you've created this three of seven project. So now you're, you went from serving in one capacity to then serving your family and, and instructing in the team. So, which is another service. And now you're serving with the three of seven projects. So your life is just full of service, which is amazing. And if you don't mind breaking down, what is three of seven project? Where does the name come from even? And then what do you guys do at the three of seven project? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, the three stands for body, soul, and spirit. Um, it's the three aspects of, of us. And we believe, I believe we're created in the likeness and image of Yahweh, the creator of the universe, which is a triune being. It makes, it makes our God unique to any other God, the fact that he's triune. Um, and so he created us in his image as, as a, a, we live in a body. Uh, we have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, but we are a spirit essentially in, inhabiting this body. And so that's the three. And the seven is seven is the biblical number for completion. So my whole vision for three of seven project was to create experiences that are going to bring about growth in all aspects of the human that I'm working with, both the physical, the mental and the spiritual. And and if we can if we can nourish uh, and maintain and stretch those three aspects of ourselves, we actually become a more complete human being, right? And that's what the seven's all about is, is this constant striving to become more complete. And many of us are walking around and we're really unbalanced, right? We may have a, a really fit body, 
but we don't we, we've never delved into really trying to understand the spiritual aspect of our nature as humans um or we you know we may have a really strong mind and we're good at we're good at business or good at uh whatever it is we're trying to to go after we're really driven but maybe our physical body is is kind of out of whack and when we're unbalanced like that it's really really difficult to achieve at a high level but um the more complete we can become in those three parts of ourselves the the further we're going to be able to go and what we do at 307 project well the reason i called it a project is because it's 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 constantly evolving um what we do is constantly evolving and and we're constantly seeking uh seeking christ and and trying to figure out which way he wants us to go with with the gifts he's given us but i guess the foundations of it are uh, we have a podcast the 307 podcast i love podcasting it's my favorite form of media um and then we do live training and i think that's one of the unique things about 307 project you know the lord's given me a a fairly fairly large platform and i think we're used to seeing people on social media or hearing people on on podcasts that we look up to. Um, maybe we've gotten something from them or, or we just they really inspire us, but we never get to meet those people. And through our live training, all of our live training is with very small groups. Uh, I'm not interested in scaling. Uh, my goal is to not my it's not my goal to become independently wealthy or anything like that. I just want to make a living and, and do what I love to do and help people. So it's just small, intimate training. Um, all, all of our training's done in the backcountry environment. And uh, all of our training is going to incorporate all three aspects. It's going to be physically hard, guarantee you. Um, it's going to challenge you uh, from a mental perspective, um, just in terms of leadership teamwork, uh, solving problems. Um, there are a lot of hard skills involved in our training in terms of living in the backcountry, right? You have to incorporate hard skills just to be able to get out into that environment. So just by nature of, of where we're working at, people are being taught these hard skills that I learned through, you know, my time in the SEAL teams. And, and then every trip that we that we run every mission that we run has a spiritual aspect to it where we're challenging people with uh with with scripture and deep thought and um we pray together and and we do it all man so that's kind of how our training is is structured and um man we do all kinds of other stuff speaking engagements uh we have an online store so we're we're just loving life man i can't wait to see where it goes we're just getting started yeah, for sure. Is this something that, uh, and it, honestly, it, it sounds amazing. And I, I personally, um, being a faith-driven man and, and being raised in, in church uh, my whole life, I understand those aspects of the three, the Trinity, uh, and you know, triune being uh, three people, or I guess the number three, and then the number seven, constantly comes up in Scripture. Um, yeah. Those are those are very uh, important numbers when it comes to spirituality and, and us as humans, human beings, and children of God. Um, but at the same time, I guess, are you working with mainly veterans or is it anyone that wants to come and work with you? 
Yeah, it's anyone. We actually very rarely do we have veteran uh, veterans hmm. come and participate in the things that we're doing, man. Hmm. And you know, I I'm like any race, creed, color, body type, background. There's no physical requirements because I I'd say if I'm good at one thing in life. It's developing a team. Like, I am really good. I can take a group of eight people, and within 24 hours, I can turn those eight people into a single organism. And so that's, you know, that's the reason we don't have any prior physical requirements. I mean, some of the stuff we do is extremely hard in extremely difficult environments. And, I mean, I've had people come out and and do these things that are, 350 pounds man and they've never ran a mile you know since they were a kid and what gets them through is the team the team is what gets them through it's like it becomes people can become so much more powerful when they unite as a single organism and they all have a common goal a common mission a common objective and that's what happens at these trainings. And that's why we're able to take pretty much anyone who has the courage to sign up and show up, which is the hardest part in my opinion. That's amazing. And I can, I can only imagine knowing just again, the military uh, and, and some of the guys I've been around and understanding seal teams, the kind of guy it takes to get into the seals it's a lot of going and being an instructor there is probably pretty intimidating. And I can understand it makes sense to me as an outsider, why you would have found some of your best leadership there, because being able to be a good instructor for a group of men that are all alphas and all have ego in some form or fashion, uh, and actually teach them something or multiple things that takes a special individual to be able to do that. And so not that it's easier, but I, I could see it being less of, I, I guess there's a lot less ego involved now in the people that you're teaching versus what you, what you had to deal with in the SEAL teams. If I can, I can only picture the room of people that you had to instruct when you were an instructor. And, uh, you know, that I can, I can only imagine that's, I'm sure there's people that didn't have a ton of ego, but I, I'm sure there's a lot of ego going into the teams. Pardon the brief interruption here, guys. I want to give a shout out to the partners of the show. Man, guys, I've got some amazing partners that I love being able to share discounts with you, doing giveaways. So if you're listening to this the week that this comes out, we've had some amazing giveaways up this week, and we have even more coming your way, whether that be for outdoors gear, hunting equipment, etc. Go check it out on the Instagram and, of course, the YouTube channel. Uh, but... With that being said, guys, here are some of our great sponsors and partners of the show. First and foremost, we've got First Form. Guys, I can't rave enough about First Form. It's not just amazing supplements, guys. It's an outstanding community. You need community to be able to go far, accomplish your goals. You can run fast and hit your goals by yourself, but you need a community to continue going down that path when there's days that are hard. That's what First Form brings, and even more specifically, First Form Outdoors. Come join us over on the First Form Outdoors Facebook group and us over at Redbeard's Fit Crew on Facebook, guys. want to provide those communities for you, whether we are in different states, different countries. Come and join us over there and get a great group of individuals around you. 
also the supplements, guys. If you need everything from protein powder to meat sticks for the mountain, guys, those meat sticks, the breakfast sausage, and the barbecue are the best. Check them out in the link down below. You get free shipping to be able to have your snacks up on the mountain. If you need protein powder, microfactor, which is the multivitamin, if you need greens, etc., reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to walk you through it and chat with you about what you may need in your diet. So come check it out. Also, there's a 110% money back guarantee from First Form. There's no other company that I know of that will give you 110% money back guarantee. If you don't like something, we'll take care of you. So go check it out. Links down below. Of course, Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice, my go-to meals for the backcountry. We've got Black Ovis is the newest partner of the show. Code REDBEARD10 will get you some money off your order. Go get your order in now so that you can have your gear for the backcountry, so you can have your gear for hunting season. You definitely want to check that out. Also, all-in digiscoping, initial ascent backpacks, A3 archery bowstrings, Cryptech, Kestrel glassing systems, Quattro archery stabilizers, dark energy for your energy needs up on the mountain. The batteries, the dark energy Poseidon Pro is outstanding. Go Ruck, Sheep Feet, My Medic, Affect Beard Oil, Muley Freak Bino Harness, Bow Hunters United, and of course Joy Bees because we got to have our our dad fix right. <laughs> nice water shoes and boat shoes. So guys, go check out all those companies if you need some gear for for your hunts whatever you've got going on this fall hit me up let me know and i'd love to talk to you about it along with the first form and first form outdoors now let's get back to this conversation here with chad wright yeah you did you 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 have as an instructor i think you you absolutely have to become a subject matter expert it's especially like you said instructing in the seal teams because you're these guys that you're teaching they're active duty seals they're getting ready to deploy right we're putting them through their pre-deployment workup so these guys aren't going to respect you unless one you're you're got to be fit mm-hmm. um you, you have and you have to know absolutely know what you're talking about like and as soon as they see that then they'll listen to you. Like as soon mm-hmm. as they realize that you are the subject matter expert, you're fit, you're driven, you know what the crap you're talking about, then you're able to actually teach them. And I think on the civilian side, it's the same. It, it's the same, but yes, on a lesser degree, right? People, students or civilians are coming in to work with 307 Project, train with 307 Project. And um, they definitely come in with a little more humility uh, but I, but I've earned their respect. The people that train with me, I've earned their respect by practicing what I preach. I mean, mm-hmm. a month ago, I just ran 250 miles through the high desert of Arizona. Uh, and it tested me on, on a tremendous level. And I show people this and we just released a documentary about it where it shows me at my lowest points. It shows me when I can barely walk, um, and people see that and hopefully it instills confidence in them. Okay. I'm coming to work and be trained by a person who knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. and practices what he preaches. You have to constantly earn that man. That's a big reason I run. Um, and that's biblical too. You know, yeah. Paul says, uh, something like, uh, I keep my body in check lest I become disqualified as a preacher. <laughs> You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just the way things work. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I've found that in my own life as well, just personally reflecting on times where, um, you know, maybe I've put too much of a focus in one area of life, your physical, I, I have the body where, you know, I can put on muscle, but I can also put on fat really easily. And so if my nutrition isn't dialed, that go that fades really fast for me if I'm not balanced in that area of my life and I put too much into other things as well. And so um, I can definitely understand that. I'll have to look up that scripture. I love Paul. I love his. He's probably one of my favorite guys in the in the New Testament. Um, just all the letters he wrote, and uh, sometimes he he knew when to hold his tongue and he knew when to be fiery. And I, I love that um, about what he does. So uh, anyway, I'll have to go find that scripture. That, that that's awesome. Uh, so with let's kind of tap into that the ultra marathon uh, running and and everything else that you've done. But there there was one story that I've heard you tell before, and I'm going to mess up the details, so I'm not going to uh, do too well at describing it. But basically, where you were running on a treadmill, and you had something in front of you that kept you going for was it yeah. 100 miles or 24 hours? We ran for 24 hours straight. Yep, yep, yeah. I know exactly the story you're talking about, and um, so that that was kind of our charity event for the year last year. I have a good friend from the SEAL teams named David Charbonnet and he leads a nonprofit clinic in San Diego uh, that get, basically gives people treatment who have experienced a spinal cord injury and are paralyzed. I didn't know it, but apparently if you get a spinal cord injury and you're paralyzed, your insurance covers you for like a couple months and then you're just screwed. You can't hmm. get physical therapy or that. So there has to be nonprofits to continue to, to help these people. And so David was paralyzed in a skydiving accident while we were both active duty very early on in our careers. And he's still paralyzed from the waist down. And um, we decided to do a 24 hour run on these mm -hmm. uh, treadmills that they, they're not, they're, they're self-propelled. So they don't have a motor. Um, I forget what they're called, true form or something. And I don't know why they call them true form because they are they do not put you in a true running form. That thing destroyed my legs. But the thing that really kept me going during that event was having David there in his wheelchair and he was hosting live on YouTube and seeing him and knowing like how much it would mean to David if he was able to go out and run or able to do what I was doing in that moment, running on that treadmill. Like David hasn't ran in 12, 13, 14 years. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? He hasn't been able to stand on his feet. And so I had a paper taped, taped on my treadmill. Um, or it was actually, I just took a Sharpie and wrote on a piece of riggers tape and taped it on my treadmill for those who can't. For those who can't. And, you know, when I think about that, what does that actually mean to me? Well, when I look around me in my community, I see so many people who are fat, who who have no who don't aspire for anything, who have no goals. Um, they're they're just they're wasting their life. And what a disservice it is for you to waste your life when when you when you still have your physical uh, full physical capabilities, right? You still have your two legs underneath you. Um, you everything's functioning 
as it should. And, and you're just going through life with, with, without helping anyone, without setting goals, without aspiring mm-hmm. to be better, without aspiring to make your community better, without, uh, you know, all the things that you could do, you're not doing it. And to me, that's just like the ultimate slap in the face to the millions of people who have suffered from some traumatic injury or accident that can't even walk around anymore. And so that drives me a lot when I'm running, man. It it drives me to keep that in kind of the forefront of my mind. Like, And even for myself, there's going to be a day that comes that I'm not going to be able to run. Like there's going to be a day that's coming where where I'm going to get sick and uh, no telling what. There's a day that's coming that I'm going to die. <laughs> and um, it's my obligation to my fellow man to do everything that I can do to fulfill my mission and to make the world around me and everyone around me to make their lives uh, better and more rich. You know, and I, I just don't want to waste that, man. Yep. No, 100%. And I, I love that outlook. Even with everything that you've gone through, everything that you've seen, everything that you've experienced, you still, it. I can imagine that's helped form your outlook on life. But at the same time, you you haven't let that beat you down or put you on the couch or uh, whatever. You know, you've overcome those trials and you're, you're, you've recognized that the key to that is service you're giving to other people. And I think that a lot of people become introverted. They, they look inward, uh, when they start experiencing suffering of any kind, um, to any degree, they start looking poor me, 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 which is understandable, but they're not realizing that the real key to be able to overcome that is through serving others and being able to look up, you know, it's the same thing that I, I tell my son when we're hiking and he's starting to get tired. Of course, his head goes straight down. And he's focusing on how his feet hurt, his legs hurt, et cetera. You know, he's a little eight-year-old kid. And all I do is say, hey, look up. Look at these beautiful mountains we're in. Look at all of the, you know, and we just start focusing on other things. You forget your own suffering. And you're able to even sometimes process it even better uh, when you're when you look outward rather than turn it inward. So I, I love that outlook. Um, the guy I was telling you about prior to starting to record, uh, Dale Beatty, um, he, that's, I, I want to say it's pretty consistent almost daily on his, uh, on his story, his workout. He's, he's used that mantra that you, you spoke about in that podcast where you went over the creed and the, the story, um, he, he puts up for those who can't, mm-hmm. and that, that has made a huge impact. I know on his life as well. <clears throat> we have a really close buddy of ours who, um, through a tragic accident, uh, has lost basically the lower half of his function of his body and is in a wheelchair permanently. And, um, and so we've discussed that a couple of times as well that, you know, Dale's like, this one's for you, buddy. Like, and, and so it's just one of those things that you've made a huge impact on even people that I know personally, um, even if they haven't come to train with you, that, that outlook on life is huge. It, It changes people's lives literally. Um, if you just simply lift your head up and look at those around you, um, there's something else as well that I saw the other day. It was a guy, they were recording some video. It was like an interview or something. And someone literally cuts, right? I mean, they were in a public space, right? So you kind of have to expect this if you're in a public space, but 
the guy cuts between the camera and the people being interviewed. And the guy just looks at him and, and he looks over at the guy he's interviewing. He's like, man, that's pretty jacked up. And, uh, and the guy's interviewing is like, well, honestly, you look at it this way. It's kind of sad. He was looking down at his phone. He's not paying attention to the world around him. He said, there's so many people that are like that nowadays. The majority of people are like that. They're looking inward. They're looking at their phones. They're not looking out to how can I serve? What trash can I pick up? What can I do today to make the world better or the people around me better? So I just love well, that, that outlook. Yeah. The, and the word you're looking for, Jonathan, that sums all of that up is selfish. People are selfish. That's what it, that's what it is to, to look inward and to, to revel in, in your, or, or be poopy pants and, and pout in your own, you know, difficulty or whatever pain you're experiencing. Um, people are overwhelmingly selfish. And that's a huge issue with our country specifically right now. Uh, Americans especially are, are extremely selfish. That's why we can't unite. That's why we can't really accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you ask, if you ask any, I'd say if you ask 95% of SEALs or special operators or, or even athletes, high level athletes, what's the number one quality that you would want in a teammate? It's selflessness. It's the opposite of selfishness. It's selflessness. It's that you're constantly looking around you. What can you do for the man in front of, behind you, or beside you in order to bring them up, irregardless of the pain that you're experiencing? Um, and what happens is when a team forms, it all it is, it's a, it's a bunch of individuals who have made the decision to be selfless and they're all looking out for each other at the same time. And therefore, no one lacks. No one gets left behind. No one falls behind. Uh, and that's what allows that single organism to move forward so much further than it could, uh, even if there was just one selfish person in there. So, yeah, that's what it boils down to, man, is selfishness. And you want to talk about, um, you want to talk about the ultimate example of selflessness is Christ. Jesus Christ sets the ultimate example of selflessness that we should all strive to follow. There's no better example of it in, in the history of mankind. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I, I definitely agree with that because, you know, just some things that popped into my mind just now, the only times that he even that I can recall, and I'm not a perfect Bible scholar uh, by any means, but the only times that he was righteously uh, indignant, I think was the word that they used, the the righteous anger that he portrayed when he cleared the temple or any time that he was even, I kind of picture him as almost sarcastic. I know that's not the right word, but like when he got a little snarky with the Pharisees and was like, hey, you know, if you, if you haven't sinned, cast the first stone kind of deal. But the only time that he treated people like that was when he was calling out their selfishness. Yeah. And and that's really the only thing that he would even really get upset with people about when they were so stuck in their selfishness that they were so proud of what they could accomplish their whatever it was uh, that they weren't willing to come out of that. You know, even the people that had sinned selfishly, 
um, but were willing to come out of that and be selfless and to learn from him. He didn't get upset with them, but the ones that were stuck in their selfishness was the ones that he got upset with. I mean, that righteous anger. Yeah. Yeah. It just popped into my head. I've never looked at it that way, but um, that's, that's a great, that's a great perspective to look at it. Now, you know, um, yeah, he, he really did. He gave, he gave everything, you know, and, and that's a, that's a great example to look for something I want to hit on just because I know there's parents out there that listen and, you know, you've got children, uh, when, when we're saying don't be selfish, being selfless, like you mentioned the teams, you guys didn't not train, right? You didn't have those self, those selfish gym times that some people call going to the gym or meal prepping, right? I want parents to understand that it's still being selfless, going and taking care of your physical body, recharging your own batteries is being selfless because then you're turning around and giving that to your kids. You're teaching them an example uh, to follow by leading yep. from the front, not the other way around. Right. Yep. And so, yeah. um, I know that's a, a struggle for a lot of parents where they don't want to take that hour or 45 minutes away from their family, their kids, because they feel like they're being selfish when in reality it's selflessness to go and take care of your body and do what you need to do so that you can in turn serve others. Yeah. You have to ask yourself, why are you, why are you going to take in, in terms of fitness, why are you going to to spend that hour or two hours, or in in my case, eight hours on a training run? Mm-hmm. Why am I going to do that? Am I am I is my purpose behind setting that time aside so that then I can go take a selfie afterwards when I got my pump on and put it on Instagram, or that I can look in the mirror and and and, and see my chiseled body? And is that is, are, is it, are you doing what you're doing for selfish reasons, right? And then, yes, that, then, then you are truly being selfish. But if you're going to, to um, you, you have to keep your own house in order, your own body, mind, spirit in order before you can help anyone. You're exactly right, man. It's, the, it's just the way it works, you know. Um, I have periods in my life, leading up to this uh, most recent race I did, the Cocodona 250, you know, I set aside eight weeks of my life where I literally did nothing but train. If mm. anybody wanted anything from me, it, the answer was no. Uh, and people looked at me during that time, people in my family, people close to me, and they said, well, oh, you're a really selfish person. But the whole reason in my mind for doing what I was doing is so that I could go and complete this really, really hard thing and complete that with the intention to use that experience to teach and inspire thousands or hundreds of thousands of other people to want more. Like Mm -hmm. that was my whole intention for training is I got to get myself right so that I can do this, which is going to allow me to learn more about myself so that in turn I can pass that along to other people. And yep. yeah, that's the way it works, man. Yeah. And you know, I will say you were, you're very nice about saying no, I, you were nice to me. So I can only imagine you're nice to your family, but you know, when we were planning this. You're like, I've got a big race coming up. Like you were really nice about it. I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. Right. So I, I didn't see that as in anything selfish at all. I could see though, how people may be close to you. There, there's always those people that want you to 
uh, not go to the gym because they want to sit by you for that hour. They want to, they want your attention for that hour. And there's a lot of people that don't understand, um, putting yourself through the, which I don't understand going and doing a 250 mile race, but, but I definitely respect the time and effort. It's not just that race. People also, a lot of people don't understand. It's not just that race. That's the culmination of, like you said, eight weeks of training. I mean, that's a lot of time to be running and training for this one event. And, and that that's a lot of dedication. And again, it just goes to show your intentions behind it were to teach others and help others. You can't personally go out there and tell people to go run an ultra marathon um, because it's going to do this and that for them unless you've done it. Right. And, and you've done multiple, you, you, and you seem to enjoy it at least before and after. I don't know about during, probably not so much during. I think I saw a video of you flipping someone off in the middle of it. So like, <laughs> that's that military humor, man. Yeah. 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 And then I, speaking of that, I did want to ask, cause I've noticed you, uh, you, you stray away from curse words. Uh, was that something that came about? I think I remember you saying you, you decided to clean up your language because of your faith. It wasn't something that's been your whole life. It it's come about fairly recently, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I used to cuss like a sailor, man. I used to be a sailor <laughs> in the U S Navy. So yeah, I, I used to be a very foul, foul person. Uh, there was a long period of my life where, where I was, a, a I mean, I would call myself a wicked person. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, the language thing, when I accepted Christ, in a in a little barracks room overseas in 2012, uh, people I don't think people understand what happens when you accept Christ. So the third part of of the tri, our, our triune God Yahweh is the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit's a very special gift that God has given us of Himself. And when I accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit of God literally um, filled me. It, it comes and dwells in you and changes everything about the way you see life, the way you talk, uh, the desires that you have. And um, of course, you, you have to, it's not that, it's not that temptation and, and things and anger and those things don't still rear their ugly head in your life. But, um, but when I accepted Christ, he changed everything about the way I operated and, and including the way I spoke. And, you know, man, here's the thing. If you say curse words, I don't think you're going to hell. Like, I, I don't think that you're condemned because um, it's, it's like our buddy Andy. Andy cusses like a, <laughs> like a crazy man, dude. And even when I go do podcasts with him, he'll apologize for cursing so much. And I'm like, dude, whatever, man. It's, it's however you talk. So the, th the reason I've really stuck with that is because... I think our words are extremely powerful and uh, the conversations that we have, the, the words that we use, um, if they don't speak life and, and positivity and strength into the situation, whatever it is, then I just don't want to, I don't want them to be a part of my vocabulary. Hmm. And I, I even think there's a place for curse words. And the, the thing is, because I haven't, I haven't said a, a curse word probably since 2012. But if I ever found myself in a situation where I needed to get someone's attention, mm -hmm. if I dropped one of those words, 
they would know whoever I was around would know real quick. Holy smoke, <laughs> man! Okay, I, I better I better gird my loins because stuff's about to get real, right? And so there's even a, I think a place in vocabulary for them, but but when you overuse them, they they lose their place, and, and also I think in most conversations they have a negative meaning. Um, if they have any meaning at all, some, mm-hmm. some people are just using them because they're too ignorant to learn the right words to use in the sentence. So I really am deliberate about the words that I say and use. I'm very deliberate about the people that I'm around. I don't ha- I don't hang around many people, a bunch of people, man. I, I spend time with my little brother, my business partner, Blake. He's my number one mentor. I spend time with my, with my, uh, my other teammate, Chili, he's full-time here at 307 Project. Um, my wife, I've cut a lot of people out of my life that, that demand too much from me or or they're just putting negative, all, all they can talk about is just negative bull crap, man. I mean, even family members, dude. I mean, I've had, I've had family members that's just got to the point, you know, I give them two or three or four chances and then it's like, you're I, I'm never talking to you again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to be around you again. I just, I can't allow that into my space because I'm on a mission, man, you know, and that goes back to keeping your own ship in order. Um, and that's hard to do, but I think a lot of you guys listening are probably hanging around some people, you know, you shouldn't be hanging around. And just because your family, that ain't a free pass, man. And it's not that I don't love you anymore. If I cut you out of my life, it's, I still love you. And, you know, if, if you if you make some changes, I have no problem letting you back in. But it, it can't be like you cleaned up your act for a week. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to let you back in, it's going to be like, okay, you've shown that there's hard evidence over the long term that you've made some changes in your life. Right. So I think there's something to that old saying that you're the sum total of the five people you spend the most time around. I really do think there's something to that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. And it's not easy. It's it's definitely easier said than done to cut uh, family out. But what I've realized, you know, blood family anyway, um, it, 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 people will try and pull that card of like, oh, I'm your whatever. And it's like, yes, but also this is where I'm at. And so, um, you know, it's really interesting to me because you, you mentioned, and I know this is a very interesting parallel, but you almost seem to have a, a parallel story to Saul and how you had that moment where you were overcome by the spirit and you've completely altered your life and you haven't looked back. Uh, and, and for those that aren't familiar with the Bible, I'm, ta- I'm referring to Saul, who later became Paul and wrote most of the Old Testament or the New Testament. I apologize. Uh, those letters to Galatians and Corinthians and all, all the other letters that they wrote out there. You have a very similar story in the fact that you were one of those guys and you you said wicked. I, you know, I didn't know you, but like you, you look back and you're like, man, I can't believe I, you know, I did some of that stuff. And you change you had that moment where you changed and never looked back. So that's, that's, you even have the beard to go with it. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I can totally, I can totally relate to to Paul and and his moment on the road to Damascus and and that change that he went through. I can totally relate to that. I mean, I relate to to John the Baptist. Mm. How, I mean, I feel like right now, especially, I feel like a lot of days I'm like a voice crying in the wilderness because when you start to really break down what's happening in the world today and you compare that in context with scripture you come to some pretty um profound conclusions about where we're at right now in terms of the age coming to a close and and like I made a post the other day, man, talking about all this extraterrestrial stuff and and uh, and how it plays into to the context of scripture. And people just don't have ears for this stuff, man. Mm-hmm. They don't have ears for this stuff. And Christians are becoming I, I say Christians. I mean, people who are sold out followers of Jesus of Nazareth, Yahweh. I mean, people who know the Bible, who have spent time studying his word, who have spent time in prayer, who are dedicated to Christ. That's what I mean when I say Christian. Mm-hmm. Those, those of us who are who are in that position are increasingly becoming the only people left on earth who are going to be able to make sense out of what is starting to happen. Because we are the we are going to be and are the only people on earth who have the truth, which is in scripture. And so it's important for us to start putting the pieces together and talking about these things. Although most of the people who hear you talking about these things, they're not gonna have ears to hear it. They're just not gonna have ears to hear it, but but we can't stop. If I become a voice crying in the wilderness, I'm fine with that. I'm going to continue to to cry into the wilderness because we have. I, I see clearly what is happening, and not because of my own intellectual prowess. It's because mm-hmm. I have the context of Scripture. Yep, hundred percent. No, I, I agree with you on that. It's. Uh... Oh, it could be scary if you read, you know, revelations or whatever other part of the scriptures and you look at what's going on, but also it's not scary if you know, you've done your part and you know that you have, you, you've done everything that you can to better the lives around you, to live in, in the footsteps of Christ, follow his example. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's something that, I mean, I went to Mexico for two years as a missionary and I mean, didn't know the language, didn't know the people stuck out like a sore thumb, redhead. Most of the time I was sunburnt. Uh, so I looked like a lobster in a white shirt and a, in a, in a tie, uh, but, uh, blue eyes, you know, I just, I just stood out like a sore thumb, man. And then what I did was I just embraced the culture and the people and loved the people. And then, you know, from the get go, I was there to serve them, whatever it took. And, uh, and so that's, that's something that has, that's an experience that has changed my life and, and also gave me a good perspective, not only about how nice carpet is 
and air conditioning and water heaters. But, uh, you know, just understanding how blessed we are to be here in the United States, to have the things that we have at our disposal whenever we want. And, and the fact that it's not being taken advantage of for the better, uh, it's being taken advantage of for just scrolling. I mean, that's really what it boils down to comparing your life to other people. Um, and, and it's just not what is meant for us. We're meant to do so much better. So I absolutely, I love, I love the fact that you're so focused on service. I mean, your entire life has been service and even, I mean, you've gone through heart surgeries to serve. You've, you've done so many things. You've run 250 miles in Arizona desert to serve. You know, there's so many things that you've done over the course of your life. Uh, that resume per se is just outstanding and you continue to do it and you don't lose passion. You're such a passionate guy. Absolutely love that. If you don't mind, just kind of as we're wrapping up here, uh, would you mind? I've mentioned it a couple of times here in the podcast, um, but the creed, would you mind sharing that? I actually don't have the creed right here with me, Jonathan. I don't have it right here with me. Um, The best, the best, uh, and I don't don't have it by heart. I have it written down. It's a fairly long, uh, long document. Um, So go check that out. I think the best place for you to hear that is going to be on that latest episode I did with Andy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the first time I had ever shared that publicly. But um, that creed is very important to me because it's, it is, I think, important for all of us to identify the standards that we want to uphold, or at least we want to strive to uphold as human beings. And and everything, that creed kind of condenses everything down. It's got everything in, in terms of the standard we want uh, to hold for ourselves physically and mentally. It's got our standard for what we want to hold to ourselves to as a leader, as a teammate, uh, as a servant. And, um, it's really served me well, man. It's something that I look at on a weekly basis. It's something that I teach. It's, it's a, it's a mirror per se. Um, just like scripture is a, it should be a mirror for us. Um, it's just the Bible's a little bit bigger than my little creed. You know, I can, (laughs) I can glance over my creed and I can read through it in, in, in 30 seconds. But, um, it's something that at the end of the day, you can look at and and it it reflects yourself back and, and you say, did I live up to this standard or not? And exactly. uh, I encourage everyone to to hear the creed that I put out and I encourage everyone to even develop their own creed because you might there might be different things that are important to you. Uh, so the creed's important. And I think also having a mission statement is important. It's so cliche, man. Everything's been so watered down, you know, by all these coaches and, and inspirational people, but (laughs) a mission statement goes hand in hand with a creed because the mission statement tells you where you're going. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know where anybody knows how to land nav, they know that before you can get anywhere, you have to know exactly where you're at. And then you have to figure out a route to where you want to go, right? And so that's what the mission statement does. It tells you where you're going. And the creed is all about who you want to be while you're making your way to that objective. That's how they go hand in hand. You have to have both of them. I love it. 
I love it. Yeah, I'll, again, I'll I'll leave that episode down below because uh, it, it's something that I wrote down. Um, I've got it jotted down. I go over every once in a while, and uh, it, it is extremely powerful um, to go and do that. I've got my own mission statement as well. Um, I reviewed it after I heard that podcast, and it's uh, you know it, it's definitely something that that is really important. I know there's a lot of hunters that listen to this podcast. We didn't even get into hunting, uh, but maybe we'll have to do a part two later after you run your next, your next race. But, uh, um, we, you know, as hunters, you, we have these GPSs and things that, but you still find a point and you know where you're at and you got to know where you're going. And it's very similar in a less physical aspect, but literally what you're doing or even physical. If you're on a fitness journey, you need to admit where you're at, you're fat, you're skinny, whatever it is that you are. Uh, your, your cardio sucks, whatever, recognize that. And once you recognize that and you bring that into the light, which is something I talk to my kids about a lot is bringing it into the light, whatever it is. Uh, once you've brought that physicality where you're at into light, and then you know where you're going, honestly, don't try and be Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever, but what is your goal and who are you trying to serve and what body type do you need to have to, to serve those people? Um, that will give you you know, that, that path as well with the physicality, but, but yeah, just, um, I, I love it, man. I, I really do. I love how dedicated you are to serving other people. I really appreciate, uh, that aspect of your life. And I guess wrapping up here, then what would be your, what would be some takeaways or something that you want to leave with the audience? Kind of final words there. Um, I, I think that the absolute kind of, if you summed everything up, like what what has gotten me here the answer is just i simply didn't stop i just kept going right and i think that's something that people need to remind themselves of because you know a lot of people would think if i said like what got me here to the point i am today where i'm i'm living a a really fulfilled life i'm doing my life is full of purpose and meaning and and uh, I have a great marriage. I have a great mission. Things are clear to me and, and I'm just, I'm rocking and rolling, man. And uh, I think people would expect more to hear, well, what got me here was the fact that I was really good at this or I made this key decision here or, you know, I, I didn't screw this up and, and, and this, but the fact of the matter is, is, I screwed a lot of stuff up. I made a lot of bad decisions. Um, I failed at a lot of freaking things, man. And the only thing that got me here is the fact that it's the simple fact that I just kept going. And to explain that to your listeners a little better, I like to describe it as uh, we, in life, a lot of the inspirational stories that we hear from from guys in the military or, or people who have, you know, come through crazy things like, you know, maybe their whole team got killed and they went in and rescued everyone. Or, you know, we hear a lot of those stories out on platforms and those stories, the metaphor for those is sometimes in life, some of us have to walk through a pile of crap and we come out the other side and we're like, 
oh man, that was awesome. Like that was epic, right? I made it through that pile of crap, right? And everybody's looking at you and you just, you just came through this pile of crap and they're like, man, that was, that was epic. You made it through. That was like my 250 mile race I just did. You know, I walked, I went through this pile of freaking crap, dude. But you come out the other end and there's a good, there's an epic story and people are inspired by it, right? And so those instances don't get at the root of what I mean by keep going. What I mean when I say I just kept going, I mean I walked through a bunch of piles of crap in my life. Usually I created that pile of crap myself. And so I'm walking through my own pile of crap and I come out the other side of it and everyone around me, my teammates, my close friends, my family, everyone in public was looking at me saying, dude, you got crap smeared all over you, you nasty turd. You know those piles of crap that you created for yourself <laughs> that you walk through and you come out the other side and every and nobody says that was epic. They say you got crap all over you, you nasty turd, right? Well, that's happened to me a lot of times. I've walked through those piles of crap. And everybody says, you're, you are, you look like a piece of crap. And so what most people do in that moment is they go hide in a corner somewhere. They go hide, right? Because they're ashamed because they're covered in crap, their own crap. Mm -hmm. And they go hide and you never hear from them again. They never accomplish anything again. They never set goals again. They, they, they just, they just kind of hide for the rest of their lives, man. What I mean by I kept going is I came out the other side of those piles of crap and I looked at everyone who was looking back at me telling me I was covered in crap and I said, yep, you're right. I'm covered in crap, but I'm going to keep going. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by that. Uh, and if you do that, eventually what will happen is you'll get all, all, you'll get all that crap wiped off of you. And, uh, and then you can tell the story about it if you have a courage, if you have courage to do so. But that's what I mean by don't stop. Like, don't like keep going. That's the essence of it. It's, it's not fun. And the things that you have to go through in life that are really going to get you to where you want to go aren't the ultra marathons. They aren't the things that, that these epic stories from combat. It's, it's the things that are largely a result of your own decisions and, and choices. And those are the things that stop everyone because there's shame tied to them. I don't have any shame, man. Like, but now it's taken me a long time to get there. And like my faith is also a huge part of that. I mean... I trust so completely in the blood of Christ to cover my mistakes. I don't have to have shame because of him, you know? So I would encourage all you guys to keep trudging through the crap and don't care about what people say about you when you get out the other side of it. Just look at them and say, I'm going to keep going. And don't let shame control you, man. Shame is the number one tool of the enemy. It's the number one thing that Satan will use to basically take you out of the fight. Hmm. You got to keep going.
and, and you'll get that crap off of you and you'll eventually make it to where you want to be, where you're living a fulfilled life that's full of purpose and meaning and joy and happiness and love and all the things that are the substance of life. I just think people need to understand that, man. It's not a game and it's not easy. Yep. No, I definitely understand that. And thank you for that. I, I definitely appreciate that. And I, I personally, um, like I was saying, how I talk to my kids and uh, learning from personal experience, um, you know, nothing good happens in the dark. And so shame is that darkness. If you're, and you think about any time that you've not wanted to talk to your spouse, your kids, your whoever, even as a kid, your parents, you didn't want to bring things up to them because you knew you'd done something wrong. That's that shame feeling. Once you get over that shame and you talk to people nine times out of 10, their reaction is not nearly as bad as you thought. And what's going to happen is they're actually going to want to help you. And what's keeping that boundary there is that shame that you were talking about there that I've noticed in, in my personal life and lives of others is that once you hop over that and you bring it into the light, Satan, the enemy, whatever the listeners want to call it. But for me, it's Satan and the enemy will not have power if you bring that out into the light and get over that shame and just talk about it openly. Like I screwed up. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And then follow it up with action. And you're definitely, you're definitely a prime example of that. And and I definitely appreciate, uh, I appreciate your time today, Chad. I, I really do. I know you've got so many things going on, all the, all these people you're trying to help and, races you're trying to run you're probably wanting to go run another 100 mile race today so uh no. <laughs> oh, no, i'm actually gonna go out here and shoot my bow a little bit man oh, there you yeah go. yeah there i'm gonna go. get out here and shoot my bow a little bit i'm getting i'm getting tuned up for a deer seasonal start mm-hmm. here uh kind of early september and then we've got a hunt out in uh the wasatch range in utah coming up and um you know the long bow is is a whole different discipline man you know i I, now i have a compound too uh but there's so many things with the compound bow you know that make it so much easier um Mm -hmm. the longbow is not that way the longbow you don't have let off you you Mm -hmm. don't have um a release a trigger release uh, you don't have this wall that you pull back to so that you can anchor every single time in the same place. <laughs> you don't have a peep sight so that you know your eyes in the right spot every single time. The longbow takes so many repetitions because you have to learn to do all those things, your anchor, your eye, your aim, your, your grip. You have to learn all stance, draw length, all of that. You have to learn that through repetition because with the compound bow, you have all these backstops that you can mm-hmm. lean on, and it's going to line you up generally every single time. But if any of you guys are considering taking up traditional archery, I would highly encourage it because it is a – and this isn't a hit on anybody that shoots compound bow. Archery in itself is a, is a beautiful um, thing to do. I think it strengthens your mind and body connection. But uh, if you take up the longbow, it is a true discipline. It is a true mm-hmm. art. And it's something that you have to do. If you want to be the master of it, you have to do it every single day. You really do. I can take my compound bow out right now. I haven't shot it since last deer season. I could take it out right now, and I guarantee you I could kill shot at 50 yards. For, I mean, cold bore, son. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've got a, I, I'm going to get out. I started shooting a few days ago. It's just so enjoyable, so relaxing. And I'm fasting social media today. Um, oh, I decided to add to my, my, uh, my kind of discipline. I, every Thursday, I want to fast something, whether that's food, social media, um, nicotine. I've been dipping all my life, you know, but, uh, yeah. So today I'm fast to social media and it actually feels good because, uh, I'm going to get out and spend some time on my bow and enjoy it. And thank you for it having does. me on, man. I, yeah, we could have, we could have spent this hour talking about hunting, uh, <laughs> fishing, outdoors, backpacking gear. Mm-hmm. We could have picked a hundred different things, but I think we picked the best, most valuable topics that we could have possibly covered on this uh, first conversation that we've had, Jonathan. So thanks for for leading us there, man. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have to do a part two and we'll organize that after deer season. So I can hear how the experience up here in uh, the Wasatch went for you. So yeah, that'd be awesome, brother. Cool. Well, thanks so much. And guys, like I always say, get out, live your life and love it. Wow. I am just honored to have had Chad on the show. Guys, definitely go check him out in the links I'm going to leave down below and also his three of seven project. Uh, if you want to be able to donate or help, go check out the, the, his project, guys. He just wants to give back. He is such an outstanding individual, wants to make sure that people are taken care of, will live up to what they need to for life. And uh, you guys definitely want to check it out. So Thanks again so much for Chad being on the show. Thank you for tuning in. If you got something out of the show, share the show. Tag it with other people. Share it. Leave a review. And if you can, if you are on YouTube, go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. We are growing over there. Uh, The numbers are growing. The community is growing. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It wouldn't happen without you guys. And that's why I want to provide you guys with discounts and giveaways to give back to you because you've given me so much as the audience and the community here around Redbeard Outdoors. So thank you guys. Check out all the links down below if you're looking for any gear, any nutritional supplements or food for the backcountry, uh, any other gear items. Hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to talk to you about different gear and point you in the right direction and hopefully save you some money as well while you get the top of the line gear items. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And of course, get out, live your life and love it.